0: Life's too short. Life's too damn short. So eat everything. Try anything. Exercise. Experience all that life has to offer. Here's exercise
1: physiologist,
0: medical journalist, and healthy talk host, Melanie Cole, MS.
1: So many foot and ankle injuries that I have seen over the years, my goodness, from everything that's happened to myself and in my own household to all of my clients and patients over the years, I've seen so many foot and ankle injuries, and so many of them, like plantar fasciitis and, and Achilles tendonitis, can be considered overuse injuries, but what do you do about them, and is your footwear something that's content, you know, that's contributing To these kinds of pain, my guest is Dr. Jeffrey Ross. He's associate professor in the Division of Vascular Surgery and Endovascular Therapy in the Michael D. Bakey Department of Surgery at Baylor College of Medicine in Houston, Texas. Of course, welcome to the show, Dr. Ross. So let's talk about some of the most common overuse foot and ankle injuries. People are not sure what causes them. They say, oh my God, I got plantar fasciitis and heel pain and and ball of the foot and all of these things. What are you seeing as the most common injuries?
0: Well, it's good to be back with you again. I really enjoyed the last time we had a chance to talk about uh, both podiatric medicine, uh, sports medicine, and uh, overuse injuries. So it, it's great to be back again. But let's start from the bottom of the foundation of the foot and work our way up if we can. Uh, we start with the, you know, the forefoot region, and we've got the bunions. We've got the what we call sesmoiditis. Those are the two little bones underneath the big toe joint, which can become injured, particularly uh, if you're playing football, soccer. Uh, if you're a kicker, uh, those little sesmoid bones can become injured, fractured, or we can develop a turf toe injury, which is more trauma versus overuse. But sesmoiditis is an overuse. Neuromas, very common. We call it a Morton's neuroma an entrapment of the nerve between the third and fourth metatarsals leading into the third and fourth digits, causing numbness, shooting pain, burning pain, numbness. Uh, these are some of the symptoms from an neuroma. Then we have uh, typically the metatarsalgia or pain under the ball of the foot uh, as a result of a dropped or plantarflexed metatarsal uh, with a bursa possibly or inflammation of the capsule of the joint. Then we work our way a little further back into the arch area. We have maybe strain of the longitudinal arch of the plantar fascia. We can have strain either of the uh, medial part or the inside of the arch due to a collapse of the longitudinal arch due to pronation or due to a flat foot deformity. Uh, Then we have the stress fractures, typically in runners or other athletes where there's high-impact activity, uh, particularly in a foot that has a C-shape to it, what we call metatarsis a ductus, a sort of mild clubfoot, if you will. Uh, those little children who are pigeon-toed when they're young don't always grow out of it as they get older, and they may get stress injuries causing a stress fracture to uh, the lesser metatarsals. So getting back to the longitudinal arch, we have the plantar fascia uh, in the mid-arch, and then we go back to the heel bone where the plantar fascia originates from, causing uh, strain or pulling away what we call an emthesis of the plantar fascia, which then eventually can cause pulling away of the fascia and eventually a heel bone formation, better known as a heel spur. The heel spur can then develop into uh, inflammation, uh, swelling, and then possibly even lead to a entrapment of the medial calcaneal nerve branch of the the heel itself. So these are some of the foot overuse type of problems that we see. And then we've got the tendonitis conditions. We've got the tendinitis uh, that runs from the ankle down into the foot, along the inside of the foot, the anterior tibial tendon. Tendinitis leads to the big toe, the extensive hallucis tendon. And then we've got the tendon on the inside of the foot and the inside of the ankle, which a lot of times our runners or our athletes will come into the office and describe, I've got pain on the inside of my ankle. When in all true, really... Uh, In all truth, that problem is called the posterior tibial tendonitis or tenosynovitis, inflammation of the tendon and the tendon sheath. On the outside of the ankle would be called the perineal tendon or perineal tenosynovitis. So a lot of times due to your heel contact, due to the way you're running or landing on the ground, this can cause injury to the perineal tendon or due to the pronation or the foot rolling in, cause posterior tibial tendonitis, or tenosynovitis. Then we've got the overuse injuries, the tweaking of the outside of the ankle, again, due to heel strike. Then we've got a real common problem. That's the shin splints, which basically is a, is a catch-all phrase, but basically it's a tibial stress syndrome, which means that the inside of the shin or the outside of the shin may be experiencing a great deal of stress and causing either a periostitis or inflammation of the lining of the bone, or indeed can go on and cause a stress fracture, which is a very, very serious condition.
1: Now so with o- all of these, well, so so sure. let me stop you for a minute, because we've got yeah. all of these injuries that people that you've been talking about and mentioning, and, and some of our listeners are runners, and they like to do exercise, and they're very into fitness. Right. And then there's just your average person, maybe a woman wearing high heels. Let's get into some treatments while we have some time, Dr. Ross. So first of all, I'd like to start with footwear. So f- as far as footwear goes... Our, our shoes are the base of support. They can either contribute or help, you know, some of these kinds of injuries we're talking about. What do you want us wearing? Our heels as bad as they say? Summer shoes, sandals, things like that. What do you think?
0: Well, if you're wearing a stiletto type of shoe, one that has a three, four-inch heel and really doesn't have the infrastructure support to it, that's going to cause a problem. Another thing, Melody, that I always notice is that The women that wear high heel shoes, three, four-inch heels, that want to go out at the end of the day and go run or do aerobics or even, for that matter, to do yoga, they don't realize that that heel is shortening their heel cord, their Achilles, and it's also shortening the calf muscle. So they need to work on their stretching. So it's not really a great idea if you're going to wear heels all day at the end of the day to go out and exercise and not do your proper stretching. That's why for them it would be better to do their exercise early in the morning versus at the end of the day. How do you stretch? So,
1: when you talk about stretching, how do you do that? How do you stretch your foot?
0: Well, there's a lot of, well, easily with the TheraBand or the towels, you're sitting on the floor and you've got your legs extended with the knees extended and you bring that foot backwards, what we call dorsiflex with either the towel or the TheraBand. That's stretching out your Achilles. It's also stretching out your calf muscle. Now, if you Lie backwards on the floor or on a mat, and then you bend your knee and then bring the foot back. Now you're working the Achilles tendon only, and you're bringing the foot back as well. So you're working those intrinsic muscles as well as the posterior calf muscles. The one that I like the most is where you're lying flat back. and you do the single raise,
1: where you're raising the
0: leg up with the TheraBand, now you're working the hamstrings, the calf muscle, and the Achilles tendon. Now, if you want to do exercises strictly for the foot, there are lots of exercises that you can work on. Here's a typical one. I'm demonstrating it in my office as we speak. I'm up against the wall, right, with my back against the wall, and I'm raising my heels up. So now I'm working the anterior muscle groups when I do that. Now, if you're doing the opposite, if you're facing the wall and you're lifting up on your toes, now you're lifting up and you're working the calf muscles and you're working the posterior muscles, of your ankle, and of your foot as well. So these are some of them. And then to really work the intrinsics with a soft towel, try to pick up a towel with your toes. Now you're working the muscles and the tendons and ligaments on the undersurface or the plantar surface of the foot. That's a real good one. You can even pick up a soft tennis ball or a golf ball with your toes. And again, that's working those muscle groups as well.
1: And what about shoes to wear for exercise? Do you like runners or walkers? Now, I tell people, even if they're a walker, I like the technology and the support of a running shoe versus a walking shoe. I'm with you you
0: 100%.
1: Yeah, because they just seem to have so much support. And so what do you want us to look for in the shoe?
0: Well, for over 35 years, I've been advocating the running shoe. Now, the difference between the running shoe and the walking shoe is the walking shoe gives you a little more lateral support for the typical walker, but for the running, as you just said, the technology is there, and the running shoe really is a little more advanced, I believe, than the typical walking shoe. Now, the other thing that you have to look out for or really advise is that if somebody needs additional support for that shoe, they may want to, when they go purchase the shoe, ask the uh, people at the running shoe store or wherever they're buying it at the sports store, do you have insoles? And there are a variety of manufactured over-the-counter insoles, which can really help stabilize that foot, give them arch support, cradle the heel, and maybe even give them a little uh, support for the ball of the foot and take the pressure off the ball of the foot. I do Remember? love
1: my happy feet or my spankos. I mean, yep. I, I, I well, can't you mentioned, really.
0: You mentioned what? one of the names. I didn't want to get into the, uh, the code names, but that's one of my favorites that you just mentioned. And I'm always. Always recommending to my patients when they leave the office on the first occasion is go to the store and get yourself a pair of either Superfeet, spanko, yes, super feet, spanko, or any of these over-the-shelf <laughs> over- insoles. And then if they really need help, then they come back and we do uh, impression casting. or now the new thing is a 3D scanner of their foot in order to evaluate their foot for a prescription orthotic device. But I didn't mean to get away from the shoe selection too much. For the women, back to the dress shoes, I really like the lower heels. I love the wedges. My wife wears wedges all the time. It gives her she has very flat feet. She does wear the slim dress orthotics sometimes in her dress shoes. But those wedges are really helpful. But the higher the heel, the more problems you're going to have later. Now, on the other hand, if you're wearing the ballet flats, you're going to run into trouble just as well without that support, especially if you have a weakened foot, uh, a uh, arch that's really weak, a pronated foot. Those valleys, you know, flats are not very helpful. They're very hinderous to your health, to your foot health.
1: Yeah, no kidding. They're, they're, I, I can't even wear those kind of flats anymore, Dr. Ross. I mean, really. Now, what about things like, I mean, because we know that that base of support, and we don't have a lot of time left, but that base of support can lead up to injuries going from our knees to our hips to our back all the way up because that's our base. That's our most important base. But what, what do we do if we do have some of these injuries? Do we roll on a tennis ball? Do you like ice? Do you brace an ankle tendinitis? What do you like us to do if we're suffering from one of these kind of chronic overuse?
0: Well, you just raised a few issues on other injuries that occur in the lower leg, the knee, the hip, uh, and even the lower back based upon foot balance, excessive pronation or excessive supination in a high arch person or a flat-footed person. So I'm a big believer in the PRICE method, which is, you know, protect ice, compression, and elevation. I also believe in biomechanical balancing. That's where the inserts come from or the orthotics, if necessary. I'm a big believer if after an ankle sprain or a posterior tibial tendonitis, you can just purchase these off-the-shelf, over-the-counter ankle braces at the pharmacy. They have them there, and they don't cost a whole lot of money, and they can really help an unstable ankle. Or after you've tweaked an ankle, let's say you've been running or exercising or playing soccer or on an uneven surface, and the outside of your ankle, mildly sprained. So one of those little inexpensive ankle braces can really help. And then, of course, the inserts that we just discussed. So icing helps. Massage. I'm a big, big believer in massage, breaking up scar tissue, improving circulation to the area. Uh, there's a lot of other things that we do these days. Uh, we're into platelet-rich plasma, in some cases even anionic stem cell injections, uh, extracorporeal wave shockwave therapy. So there's a lot of modalities today which are advanced compared to where we were just even 10, 15 years ago in the treatment of some of these overuse injuries.
1: It's such great information, Dr. Ross. So just kind of wrap it up for us with your best information about and your best advice about keeping happy feet and healthy feet and keeping these overuse injuries at bay. What do you really want listeners to know?
0: Well, I really believe in inspection. Prevention before intervention. That's my code word. Uh, Look at your feet. Inspect your feet every day. Look at your nails. Look for ingrown toenails, uh, thickened, mycotic, or fungus nails. Look between the toes to see if you have any interdigital infection of athlete's foot. Uh, Look for calluses. Look for any abnormalities or bumps or lumps on your feet like a cyst or like a bone bruise or, for that matter, bone spurs that may develop or a bunion formation or a tailor's bunion. Or bumps on the back of the heels. uh, Look for any redness or sores. Maybe the shoes are rubbing or irritating. So it's also all about inspection uh, and preventing these, you know, overuse problems from becoming a real, you know, nuisance or menace when you're out there exercising. Nobody likes to have a blister develop because their toe curls or because they have a hammer toe and it's rubbing their shoe. You know, it's going to really hurt you if you're going to run a half marathon or a marathon. And I've been there. Myself, having run 25 marathons, I know what it's like to get a blister six miles into a marathon. It's no fun.
1: No, it definitely isn't. And where can people find out more about you, Dr. Ross?
0: Well, I'm down here in Houston, Texas at the Baylor College of Medicine. Uh, Our office number down here is 713-798-5700. And uh, you can always reach me on the uh, personal email at j r o s s. Six seven seven eight five at or the email address from the Baylor College of Medicine would be jross at bcm.edu.
1: Okay. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Ross. What great information. And you're listening to Life's Too Short and So Am I. Remember, if you like what you hear, you can subscribe and rate on iTunes. Get involved that way. We are all like-minded people can learn from these amazing experts together. You can listen on iHeartRadio and iTunes and Stitcher and all over the place. But of course, we want you to listen at RadioMD.com. This is Melanie Cole for RadioMD. Stay well.